listening to Football Haven, the football podcast which talks about transfers, stouting and everything about football. Please like and subscribe. Welcome to the Football Haven podcast. My name is Tony Stewart, and for our first guest today, we have got Andy from Hashtag United. Good evening, Andy. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad yourself. Yeah, all right. All things considered, all good. That sounds good to me. So this is the podcast where we'll be talking about footballers in the Premier League and a bit of non-league, etc., etc. So what I thought we could do, first of all, would be discussing who played what teams in the Premier League, so the whole 20 teams, and what positions they particularly need. And who would you want to sign for the other teams, I guess, if that's all right with you? Yeah, let's delve straight into it. Let's go. So shall we go alphabetical order? Alphabetical order, yes, go for it. So obviously Arsenal's first. I personally feel as an Arsenal fan, we need a creative midfielder. Uh, You've got one sitting on £300,000 a week who doesn't play for the club for some reason. Well, Mesutozo. That's the one. Yeah, he's... Uh, I've, I loved him in the first three years and then as soon as he signed that contract extension, it seems like it was a waste of time in a way. I'm not sure what you'd think as a um, non-Arsenal fan. It's, it's a really strange one for me. I don't know why he was frozen out in the first place. Like I say, it's a position that potentially they could do with. They've got... Uh, I mean, what is it? last transfer window they brought in um, Willian who potentially uh, could have had a, added a bit of creative spark he hasn't really done a lot he, he kind of started very well and then dipped off from there so uh, why wouldn't you have a World Cup winning German international who has proven it for every club that he's played for within in and around the first team squad I don't understand it unless it is something to do with money unless it is something to do with something that has happened behind the scenes that we're not fully aware of I don't know why you wouldn't have Meza Ozil in the squad at least I personally as an Arsenal fan would probably say because he has got the tendency to be a bit lazy maybe while playing he has the odd pass or assist but he in my opinion doesn't run enough but I guess is, is that is that a is that a personal is that a uh, a player issue or is that a team setup issue because surely if you've got someone of that talent okay might not have played for the last year and a half of it you accommodate them somewhere within the team even the likes of uh, Jose Mourinho when he was at Chelsea would accommodate someone like Joe Cole hmm. uh, you would get those players in and around the team the squad and play them to their strengths now there might be certain games where you might not play him because that's the game against I don't know Burnley, you know, Arsenal have struggled somewhat away at Turf Moor because of the more physical nature, put that in inverted commas, you know, and the stuff that Arsenal, this is Arsenal Wenger time that you talk about. But is that the kind of game that you might not play him in and you might play him in a game where you're more likely to have 90% of possession at home where you can create something you need to want to unlock something? There are games for players, there are players for games. You've got to work that as a management as a management team accordingly. I, I Personally, I think should be in and around the team. I don't know why he's not, so... So if you were Mikel Arteta, who do you want to sign for Arsenal then? I mean, you've seen from a goalkeeping perspective that Martinez has, has gone off to Villa and has been and has been doing incredibly well at Villa. So again, I'm not quite sure what the reasons behind letting him go, unless he was just purely for for him to get first team football and he wanted to move away because he's got faith in Leno. How good Renarsson is as a backup goalkeeper is is to be determined. Not sure. Is Leno good enough in order to to be for a, a Champions League winning team? Potentially. I, I still think there's question marks about how solid they are at the back and they've been crying out for a centre-half, I think, for uh, a few years now. So I'd still look at that as being a bit of a problem position for, for Arsenal and I'd want someone to really take hold of that back three, back four, whatever's being played of. So... I'd still, I mean, obviously, Tierney is a left back, left wing back. Maitland Niles is also playing in there. Hector Berlin on the other side. They seem strong in those wide positions. It's just that central, central defence 
that yeah. I question. Shall we move on to Aston Villa? Go for it. In my opinion, they've been superb under someone that we would not expect to do as well as that would. They bought a new striker, obviously, in Ollie Watkins, but personally, I don't see enough depth in the attacking role for Aston Villa. I'm not sure what you think. I think you always see that. Well, I say you always, you generally see that with teams that have been promoted from the championship is that they might have players who, who are more than capable at Premier League level. Let's say Jack Grealish is obviously having a fantastic season there, but what happens if Jack Grealish gets injured? And, and that can be um, replicated across a number of different teams in the Premier League. Strength and depth, especially at that kind of mid to low level, is always questioned. And do they have not only strength and depth, but it's, it's the quality of that depth. And if, as soon as you get one or two of the main players... Uh, unavailable for any particular reason, which we've seen, you know, um, COVID at the moment uh, and Villa struggling um, in that instance as well. Players are self-isolate and not being available for selection. And again, this can be replicated across a number of different teams, but have they got the strength and depth across the whole squad in order to be able to have a couple of absentees and still do well? Yeah, it'll be a struggle for them if they do do. Like you say, they've absolutely overachieved so far. Uh, compared to expectations I definitely didn't think they'd be in the position that they, they are currently yeah do you think they can make you a plea? oh I mean it's a bit of a could they make, make Europa League you don't know I mean Sheffield United were on the cusp of the Europa League last year weren't they and then yeah. they've uh, suffered a second season syndrome would they want to be in the Europa League most probably not when we're talking about strength and depth and the additional number of games you saw that with Burnley a few years ago when they managed to get there and then they had a, a struggle the season after so I don't think they'd actually want to be this season yeah which is a bit of an odd odd uh, position to take because most most teams would absolutely snap your hand off to get into to get into Europe yeah Next up is Brighton. Personally, I think they need a new midfielder or a midfielder maybe to help out. Like, not a creative midfielder, but maybe like, because they have got, obviously, three, I would say, good forwards in Danny Welbeck, Solly March and Neil Mope. But personally, I think they need a new midfielder. I haven't seen enough of Adam Lallana this year at Brighton. I was expecting more from him. Well, I think he's been he's been injured for a, a quite a while. I think he's a player I've really liked at Liverpool. He always looks incredibly tidy. He always looks to get the, yeah. He always looks like one of those players. Maybe he flatters to deceive a little bit in terms of you know an output stats wise. Does he get the amount of goals and assists that you'd want from there? Not quite sure. But I, I've always watched him play and always been impressed by the way that he he plays the game. Very easy on the eye. So I'd like to see him get fit and get games. The one player I would say that's really stood out for Brighton is probably Ben White, as he was on loan at Leeds. How he's helped solidify them a bit defensively. Tarek Lamptey is one of the players who's been um, getting the headlines, hasn't he, for, yes. for Brighton. is that kind of right wing back, but wants to attack more than defend. I mean, <sighs> Dan Byrne looking at the defence, took an absolute roast in the last game. Yeah. I mean, again, Graham Potter as a manager is, again, someone who's, who's working with, I don't want to say limited resources in Brighton because I think that's doing them a bit of a disservice. But again, he seems like a, a progressive manager, someone who, I don't know, for some reason, a Southampton manager comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It kind of seems like it'd be that kind of person who would go to a club that you don't expect too much of does a good job gets some playing some really nice football and then moves on to I don't know maybe a Tottenham in a couple of years time I can see it moving on we've got Burnley in my opinion they need a right hand side midfielder according to these stats they've played three different right wingers this season alone I think that's a bit of alarm bells who have they been? Robbie Brady Berg Goodmanson and White McNeil Dwight McNeil was someone who kind of not necessarily burst onto the scene, but definitely had something about him. Was it last season? Potentially even season before. And yeah, I haven't seen too much of him. I mean, looking at the table, they're struggling at the moment for for goals 
really they've only scored nine um, so far in their 15 games which kind of again when you say ring alert, ringing alarm bells and at the same time haven't been the solid team that you kind of associate with a Shaw and Dyche team have conceded 20 in those 15 and I always from a fancy Premier League team always used to fancy a Burnley centre half in there because you know you'd get clean sheets and you know they'd potentially pop up at the set piece the other end so someone like a Ben Mee was always a kind of a me or, or James um, Tarkovsky would always be someone who I'd try to get into my fancy dream team and they're not in there this year so I think that speaks volumes yeah um, so yeah not quite sure what's gone on with Burnley this year one thing from a goalkeeping perspective is Nick Pope in the England team there's always questions whether or not he should be starting for England he's been a definite positive for Burnley over the last few seasons. Do you think he should start for England? Don't know. I'm going to completely sit on the fence with this. Ooh. And I'd say England's always going to be supposedly the pinnacle of a, of football. There's always questions marks about the quality of it. Is it as good as Champions League? But you want your England team ideally playing at the highest standard that they can do for their clubs. Like, say, Burnley aren't the, the one of those teams. So you, you want your players playing in high-pressure environments, in high-pressure games, to try and replicate that on an international stage. So Nick Pope most probably needs, although you know he's, he's a very capable goalkeeper, most probably needs to move to what would be, in inverted commas, a bigger club who are pushing for top four, top six, Cups, Champions League, those sort of games. Definitely. Next up is Chelsea. They surprised spending £200 million in the summer. They bought, obviously, Tiara Silva on a free transfer. Personally, I think they need another centre-half, maybe to provide competition for them, both him and Zuma. Yeah, Christensen was a player who always seemed to have a lot of potential. Mori, from a, a young player perspective, is someone who was always highly rated as well. So it looks like they've got... A, a couple of centre-halves there for a couple of years' time, but whether or not they've got one for the here and now, uh, not quite sure. I mean, they've been playing three at the back on occasions as well with Aspilicueta. So let's call him Cesar to make it nice and easy for me, but he's been kind of filling in as one of those wide centre-halves from there. So, yeah, potentially, I mean, like you say, it's one of those things that Frank Lampard had the team last year when they couldn't sign anyone. By all accounts, did a good job. Now he's spent a lot of money there's question marks about how well Chelsea are performing but all those team all those players that he's brought in have got to take time to um, to settle in and to bond and to all that it's not the kind of thing that happens overnight so you know a lot of money spent uh, on Timo Werner spent scored a lot of goals in Germany hasn't really set the world of light since he's been there he's not being played as a central striker the majority of the time so hopefully you'd expect more to come from him. Same with Kai Havertz. Again, Christian Pulisic, who doesn't seem to be playing as much this year as potentially his potential from last year showed that he should do. So it seems to be an odd team that he's building together that you kind of expect to be up and around there that yeah. they don't... Yeah, I mean, they're ninth um, in the league, having won seven out of 17. So it's kind of things you're expecting more, but... I'm not quite sure where to come from because they do seem I mean, do seem to be quite a, a young team. Mm. But do you think Roman Abramovich will sack him at the end of the season? He's got history, hasn't he? As an owner, as a changing manager every two to three years, normally it's come in, win a few trophies and then move on. Whether or not Frank Lampard having a season of um, not being able to sign anyone as a bedding-in season, then has got an additional season in him because he's Frank Lampard and they want him to do well being a Chelsea legend. Keep him in his position for another year or so without the pressure that you'd expect on a Chelsea manager and then maybe it'll be the year after that things will happen and actually things will click for him. Hopefully. Next up is Crystal Palace. Another centre-half I personally think they need. They've been playing Cecho Kuwata out of position from the defensive midfielder to a centre-back. And he has bought, obviously, the likes of Scott Dan, Gary Cahill, Mamadou Sacco and James Tompkins in his time there. I don't think they're working out as much and ages are on their side. But Sacco, Sacco 
was yeah. a really good guy from uh, from Liverpool. Yeah, like you say, I mean, Joel Ward, James Tompkins, Scott Dan, Gary Cahill. Again, I mean, Palace are kind of in that position. They're 14th as we're speaking at the moment in the league. And I'd kind of expect them to finish 14th. Yeah. So they're doing what they're needing. I mean, no idea what the chairman uh, and Roy Hodgson, what their aims and aspirations are for the season. But you kind of think they're doing what you'd expect them to do. I mean, they rely heavily on Wilf- Wilfred Zaha for any kind of creative spark and a, a lot of goals coming from him. Um, whether or not you're kind of expecting more of uh, Batshuayi, Christian Benteke, uh, Jordan Ayi in order to score goals. I mean, I've just picked up their squad list at the moment and Batshuayi, no goals in 10, Benteke 3 in 12, Jordan Ayi 1 in 13 and then Zaha's up there with 18-15. They seem to be that kind of Roy Hodgson team of being solid and then they won't set the world alight up front. I mean, I wouldn't really want to be a Crystal Palace supporter. Yeah, I'd want them to have a little bit more attacking flair for them. And like I say, when you're talking about the age um, of the defensive unit, uh, Andros Townsend was always someone who had a bit of a spark. I'm not sure how old he is now, but he's, he can't be a spring chicken anymore. They've got Ezzy that they've bought, I think, from QPR, wasn't it, who yeah. seems to have potential about him. Maybe he needs to, to play a bit more as well. But, yeah, I mean, a lot was thought of Christian Benteke when he moved there after his spells at Liverpool and Villa. Well, Villa especially, and scored lots of goals there. Yeah, I'd, I'd want them to score more goals, be more of an attacking threat. Mm. Andros Townsend is 29, apparently. No way. Don't believe you. I thought he was at least in his 30s. He'll be turning 30 this year. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really surprised at that, actually. He seems to no, be no, around for a long time. He's been around forever, but at the same time... Sorry, Andros. Next up is Everton. In my opinion, I think they made one big mistake in the window, and that was having only Dominic Calvert-Lewin as a striker. Personally, I think they should have kept Moise Keane and maybe used him as a backup striker instead of relying on, I think his name's Anthony Gordon. Yeah, I mean, they've still got Cenk uh, Tosin there. And, I mean, whether or not Richarlison or someone like uh, Yannick Balassi, of course, James Rodriguez, whether or not they could play as central strikers and play slightly different to... Um, the way they play with Dominic Calvert-Lewin is potential. I mean, they, they seem to have a lot of uh, attacking players there as well. Bernard and also uh, I love I love Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yes. Kind of my ideal player. Um, so, yeah, they do seem to have a number of players there. Obviously, they've got a very experienced manager who know about balancing squads and, and things. Mm. So, full, I'd have uh, full faith in that. <laughs> In Carlo Ancelotti and what he's doing. Do you think they'll get into Europe? I'd actually, I'd quite fancy um, Everton getting into Europe. I'd yeah. quite like to see them there. Yeah, it would be good to see how Ancelotti can deal with, as he's been PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Chelsea manager. I mean, in terms of their squad makeup, they seem to be the type of squad which, on paper anyway, looks to be solid all round. There's not a kind of, from my eyes anyway, I mean, I don't follow Everton week in, week out. I don't watch them. It's not like I'm a season ticket holder who uh, who sits at Goodison Park watching the, watching every game. But it does look like from their squad list um, that they are a very solid team that have a lot of good players within it. So whether or not they need someone else in there who can uh, again add that little bit of spark they've obviously had Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been an absolute revelation this year in the amount of goals that he scored which kind of came from nowhere really it was only since um, Ancelotti took over that um, kind of he, he got given the role and started scoring goals which previously it didn't seem like they had someone who would regularly put the ball in the net so yeah. obviously that's been a really good I'm going to say not necessarily a find but it's obviously something that Ancelotti's seen alongside Duncan Ferguson and uh, and put him in there, which is fantastic. I'd love to see them step up 
and, and step on. So maybe that first step of European football coming to Goodison Park would be a really good sign. And maybe there could be a force of Merseyside with them and Liverpool. Yeah. yeah top six, top four, pushing. I'd love to see it. Next up is Fulham. I was expecting more from with Scott Parker taking over, former Fulham player. But apparently, Mitrovic has only scored two goals, both in the same game, and one was a penalty from 34 shots. Okay. I think they are crying out for a striker. Yeah, I mean, they've got a couple of games in hand, but yeah, they're, they're struggling, aren't they? Uh, which you'd, you'd expect, really, from teams coming up. There seems to be quite a gulf unless... Uh, unless you've got the right recruitment policy between um, the Championship and uh, and the Premier League. I mean, you need to score goals and you need to keep clean sheets. And it's either got to be one or the other, really, when you first come up, if not, obviously, both. Uh, and they seem to be unable to do both. Uh, I can't see anything but relegation, actually, for Fulham this year. Back down. They're turning into a yo-yo club, I feel. Do you think so? Mm. Um, I mean, they they invested heavily, didn't they, two seasons ago in order to try and stay up um, in the Premier League. Didn't manage to keep a lot of the team um, together, the likes of Mitrovic, like you're talking about, and also added to that with um, Cavalario, Cavalario, as I pronounce that, the ex-Wolf player, um, and some others in the the Championship and got promoted again. So do you think they're going to be, I know West Brom are also in this position of, they're always a yo-yo club between... Premier League slightly different type of philosophy I think with West Brom and the way that they play but yeah Fulham and West Brom doing the rounds of coming up and down and up and down maybe you're right Next up is Leeds United they were very heavily linked with the guy from Udinese Rodrigo De Paul that never happened but apparently interest is rekindled I personally feel like they do need like maybe a creative midfielder I mean, again, it's another one of those that is in the same sort of vein of Everton and Carlo Ancelotti is that they've clearly got the right man at the helm who's got the team playing in a way in order for them to be successful. I mean, who would have thought that Leeds would be in the position that they are currently playing some of the football they are? They remind me a little bit of Sheffield United last year, so hopefully it's not a a one-season wonder for Leeds. And again, we're talking about Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Patrick Bamford is most probably and again similar sort of realm there was lots of question marks about Bamford and whether or not he'd be able to score goals at a Premier League level and he is a dream team manager I mentioned this twice now my dream team and he's not in mine but he's a dream team manager's gold miner because he's cheap and he scores a lot of points seems to be getting implored it's all over the place don't they in terms of the way they're playing which is again similar to Sheffield United last year um, hopefully the similarities don't stay the same yeah. Next up is Leicester. They apparently played seven different central defensive combinations this season because Sionchu and Ndidi being long-term injuries. I was very pleased that they signed that Wesley Fofana. Slightly on the expensive side, but looks to be a real top talent. But I feel I need someone else like that young and up-and-coming personally. I mean, I think Leicester's main problem is going to be Jamie Vardy's now 34. I might need to check that again, since I thought. But there's going to be there's going to become a time where Jamie Vardy, although he's retired from international football, he's not going to be the player that he was. He relies heavily on on his pace um, and his physical attributes. I mean, he's obviously finishing. He's he's unbelievable. But he scores a lot of goals and he scores a lot of goals for the team in comparison to the rest of the team. So there's going to be an issue when he's either unavailable or he does he isn't the player that he was previously. Now, whether or not, you know, Ineacho plays in his place, whether or not Perez could take up the mantle, I'm really not sure. So I think they're going to need someone in order to be that second striker or to try and push Jamie Vardy um, or to try and take his place. Leicester, again, the likes of Prayett, uh, Harvey Barnes, James Madison, Yuri Tillemans, they've got a really solid midfield there. So 
you said they needed a centre half, didn't you? Um, no, Sonchu, Son yeah, I think he's back from injury as well. He'll and he'll be a he'll be a, a big plus for the for the back line there. I mean, just plaudits quickly for Cash Cashwish Michael in the way that he's been playing for the last two, three, four years. Alf was absolutely such a consistent goalkeeper at the top level. Would you say he's as good as his dad or nearly at that level? It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, you know, from the outset, you're going to say no, uh, just simply because the older Schmeichel won everything there was going for um, for Man United, won the Euros with Denmark. So is he as good as him? Uh, he's a very, very capable goalkeeping goalkeeper, top class, but because of the, the nature of his dad, because of the trophies that he won... It's difficult. I mean, now, yes, he's better than his dad, but his dad's most probably, you know, late 50s. But if you get prime Peter versus prime Kasper, that would be one hell of a game of goalie wars. Next up is Liverpool. They've been, in my opinion, extremely unlucky with injuries. But I think they'll need another centre-back. A lot of teams that you say need centre-backs, don't you? There's only a certain amount of centre-backs centre to go around. Yes, of course. Yeah, how long's uh, Virgin Van Dijk out for? I think it. I heard he was out for the rest of the season, but apparently he's what, training again. But like, he, he did his ACL, I believe. I mean, he's always going to be a massive loss, isn't he? That he's going, whether or not they've got the strength and depth to cover for that long term. I mean, Joel Matip seems to have been doing pretty well. Uh, Joe Gomez is always someone again that whenever he's played for England and I've watched him, he's someone that I've liked and admired and having my team um, outside of that <laughs> there seems to be cases where Fabinho drops in doesn't he and covers from a centre half perspective and it's that kind of Man City were doing it a lot weren't they and, and Pep used to do it a lot of getting a centre uh, centre midfielder to drop into centre half yeah. especially when you can control the ball a lot where it's you're not going to be found out from a defensive perspective it's those issues when you're on turnovers transitions and uh, when other teams are going to have the same amount or a bit more of the ball than lesser teams. Um, I mean, what, what players do Liverpool need? They're top of the league, joint top. So with uh, with Man United, as Gary Neville says, uh, Man United can go top. But I mean, they're, they're still, the, still to me, they're the team to beat in this league. And, um, they're just so strong up front. Salah, Mane, Firmino and Jota coming in as well. I mean, I'm a Wolves fan and Jota going from Wolves to Liverpool, I don't think too many Wolves fans would have thought he'd have the start to his Liverpool career that he has. It's been phenomenal. So Wolves can pick them and Liverpool can buy them off us. Next club is Manchester City. In my opinion, as Sergio Aguero is currently not going to be signing on as things stand, I personally think they need a striker like an Erling Haaland. Well, they've definitely got the money to go out and buy it, uh, yeah. buy him if, if that's what they want. But according to this, uh, it's been four years since Man City bought a last striker for actual money. For actual money, what have they been using? Oh, in instead the... of using their academy. Oh, okay. So four years is a while for buying a striker, and that was Gabriel Jesus. I mean, uh, Gabriel Jesus isn't necessarily a a bad substitute for Sergio, for Sergio Aguero, but the prime Sergio Aguero scores so many goals. Mm. Uh, is Ferran Torres a good enough replacement? I think he's a good winger, but I wouldn't see him as a striker. No. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, Sergio Aguero has been... He hasn't played too much this season because of injury anyway. Mm. Um, you're... If you if you had a team with Sergio Aguero in it and a team without Sergio Aguero in, without him in it, they're going to the team without are going to be struggling in comparison to the team with, aren't they? I mean, he's that good a player. Mm. Uh, do they need a centre forward? Yeah, I think you're most probably right. Do you think they'll get Messi? Oh, dude, it's Messi. Could Messi do it on a wet and windy Tuesday night in Stoke? As the saying goes. Of course yeah. he could. I mean, what a phenomenal player. I'd love to see Messi in the Premier League. Absolutely love it. Most probably would have loved it a bit more if it was two, three, four years ago. Yes. 
but even still, I mean, what I wouldn't want, although it's completely different, but you see Gareth Bale at Spurs now, mm. is that he's a bit part player, really, unfortunately, because of the injuries that he's had and the, and the condition that he's in. You want to see them at their prime, don't they? Yeah. Playing in there, but still, Messi in the Premier League it would put bums on seats, definitely. Well, not in the current climate, but you know what I mean. Definitely, I'd watch Man City games purely to watch Lionel Messi so I'd absolutely love to see him in the Premier League the next team is Manchester United personally I think they need a defensive midfielder possibly as the likes of Pogba could be leaving or I would say Nemanja Masic has still got his uses but apparently in July he signed a three year extension at the age of 32 that seems sounds to me like it's very unlike Man United Nemanja Matic to me comes across as a very Jose Mourinho type player mm. whether or not I mean he's got his uses obviously and it sounds very derogatory to <laughs> Nemanja Matic saying he's got his use from there but um, does he fit in does he play so much under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the type of football that he's trying to play versus the type of football that Jose Mourinho was trying to play when he was signed I don't think he does I'd like to know what's going on Man United with um, Van der Beek. Yeah, he was a surprise one. I'm, I've heard he's unhappy. Some sources are saying he's unhappy and he is wanting to go on loan, maybe. The only club that want to have him back, and that's Ajax. Uh, yeah, I mean, he came across with a bit of a high expectations and then just hasn't played. I mean, what surprise... It doesn't... Does it surprise me or not? But, you know, Cavani being brought in uh, is obviously a short-term stopgap as Igalo was as well. I mean, Igalo's still there. Cavani's playing, but Cavani, he's not going to be around for very long. And then if you're looking at their forward line on top of that, then Marcus Rashford is obviously a phenomenal player and he's got a lot lot to offer. Mason Greenwood, when he came onto the scene, there was a lot of thought about him and, and Marshall. Does that necessarily need adding to in the long term? I think most probably. I've got no idea about how good someone like Darlow is uh, and Chong on there as well. So do they need a centre-forward? I mean, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has come under a lot of criticism, hasn't he, in, in terms of how well Man United are playing. But yet, if they win, then they're going top of the league. I don't know if that's saying that's the strength of Man United, which doesn't seem to be, versus Liverpool, like you say, have had a lot of injuries and Man City, who form doesn't seem to be at where you'd expect Man City's form to be. But yeah, definitely a very interesting season for Man United. I mean, there are things that I've read about Man United. They're trying to offload a number of players. I mean, Phil Jones has been there for a, for a long time and hasn't necessarily played. Uh, same with Marcos Rojo. Paul Pogba, there's always question marks about Paul Pogba. Yeah. Um, Juan Mata isn't as young as he was. So yeah, I don't know if they need to sell some of those guys in order to free up some wage bill potentially get some money in order to buy some don't know but yeah definitely an interesting season for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Man United I'm going to put you on the spot here who's your favourite out of the three Saka Greenwood Foden Saka Foden I think any particular reason no I mean I'm kind of me my my ideal footballers I don't know if, if I was a manager I'd most probably be like an Arsene Wenger type manager and have all these footballers who play really nice pretty football and there and I'll have 11 of those players on the pitch to play really nice pretty football and Phil Foden I think fits in with that more than others I don't think I'd be very successful in that I'd have a team that would control the middle of the pitch and not necessarily do stuff very well at the back and at the front but I'd play some damn good football and Phil Foden would be in there. Moving on, Newcastle United. In my opinion, they need a right-back. They've apparently played four different right-backs this season in Javier Manquillo, Jacob Murphy, Emil Kraft and DeAndre Edlin. Maybe they need one out-and-out right-back just to give a bit of competition to them and maybe solidify first-team place. Yeah, if they've got four already or they've played four, why do they need another one? Well, no, I just think they need to get a solid choice or potentially even a new manager in my opinion <laughs> uh, I don't mind Brucey but like they're linked with Brandon Williams from Man United 
on loan to have have cover on the left. But could he actually fulfil in right back and maybe solidify that spot? Newcastle just screams to me of having all these players that don't seem to be played to their potential. I mean, Callum Wilson had a couple of seasons at Bournemouth when he got into the England squad and scored goals and now he just seems to be living off scraps although he's got 18-14 and he's doing alright I don't know how many of those are penalties I mean Alan uh, St Maximum just seems to be someone who has loads of potential and doesn't do what doesn't isn't isn't doing what you kind of I don't know if it's because of the role that he's playing at the club or whether or not in the team I should say or, or, or whether or not it's a, he's not hitting the heights that you'd expect Ryan Fraser again at Bournemouth such an exciting player to watch on the wing. I was in, um, I was in the states, and I watched um, Almiron a couple of times. I watched him once in the flesh, and, and used to watch a bit of the MLS stuff. Yeah. And he was amazing. He was superb. I mean, yeah, there's a quality difference between the MLS and Premier League, but he was definitely one of those players that you'd think would do well. But again, just doesn't seem to have doesn't seem to be played in a position that gets the best out of him. So, I mean, when you look, think of Newcastle, you think of Newcastle under um, Kevin Keegan, don't you, in that kind of football? Yeah. And this team just does not scream of that to me at all. I'd love to see them. I don't know if there's a bit of a theme with maybe the few things that I've said, but, you know what, a Jose Mourinho team, uh, that's a bit of a disservice to Jose Mourinho, but, you know, like a Steve Bruce team, a, uh, a West Brom Sam Allardyce team they just do nothing for me moving on to Sheffield United I feel like they need a creative midfielder they haven't won all season they in in my opinion they play with like they play with a 3-5-2 but their 5 is incredibly defensive as if they're trying to stay up I mean last year someone like Lundstrom scored a lot of goals hasn't contributed this year. There was a lot of talk about Sander Berg and how good he would be or was and would be. So they playing away the you know of overlapping centre backs, wasn't it? And kind of a yeah. fill in positions and, and go play and not quite sure what's happened to Sheffield United this year. See the loss of Dean Henderson was uh, I mean, he was phenomenal last year for Sheffield United, but then again, they replaced him with Aaron Ramsdale, who's more than capable goalkeeper. We saw with uh, with Bournemouth, especially from him personally. You don't want to be relegated with Bournemouth and then relegated with Sheffield United. Yeah. Same, you know, the next season. I think they overachieved last year, and, and maybe teams have found a way to play against them. Mm. Against someone like Ryan Brewster, was bought from Liverpool as a centre forward in order to try and be that focal point and score some goals and he hasn't been able to yeah I'd, again I'd love to see them play the football that they were playing last year but just doesn't seem to be happening this year for, for Sheffield United and if they don't get out of the rut soon if they don't start picking up points here and there and start building on stuff there's only one way that they're going Do you think Chris Wilder will be sacked? I, I, I personally I think managers the turnaround period for managers is too quick anyway you're judged on a here and now basis where well you know how can you how can you sack someone for having one bad season yeah. but has built the club for however long and you know he's done such a good job over a, a number of seasons I don't think that would happen in many other professions but there's obviously a big financial loss to going from Premier League to, to Championship so it all depends on the club ethos I can't from a Sheffield United perspective I don't think they would but you never know do you I mean I didn't think West Brom would get rid of Slavon Bilic but they have so yeah well, I don't think they should I mean they've got a lot of players there they've obviously added to them when they've got up into the, the Premier League with a couple of players that we've just mentioned and some others as well like Ampadu and Oliver Burke and, and players who do a good footballers they're, they're an improvement on what they had previously I just don't know why they're not performing to the to some level compared to last year so I think you know if this was the team that would go down we're talking about yo-yo teams this is exactly the type of team that I'd kind of I'd lump some money on them coming straight back up because it looks like they've still got a good core of players who would do well in the championship who are obviously versatile and good enough to play in the Premier League next up is Southampton where do you start with Southampton oh, they're doing phenomenal yeah and they just like I'm thinking fullback, but at the same time, Carl Walker-Peters has done well. Brian Bertrand's done okay when he's been called for, but maybe a younger presence could be good. Big reliance, again, for goals on Danny Ings. Um, 
There are some others. I mean, Jay Adams has been playing, being bought from Birmingham. It's, it's, it's really difficult because obviously you, you want Danny Ings to be fit and to play and be the player that he uh, he threatened to be at Liverpool and, and others. And he's obviously doing really well at, at Southampton. He's got to be robust enough in order to play as many games as possible because there's going to be a big weight on his shoulders in order to deliver the goals that Southampton need and will be successful. I've always really liked Nathan Redmond as a player, but when he was at Norwich and now at Southampton, he always seems to be a player who is capable of doing things. But again, when you're talking about fancy football league stats of goals and assists, always seems to be lacking and whatnot. I mean, they've got James Ward-Prowse, who's been playing phenomenally and has been that goal-scoring midfielder phenomenal free kick taker do they need someone else in that centre midfield to support James Ward-Prowse and what he's doing I'm not sure well they did lose Hoiberg yeah who's yeah who's he's doing very well at Tottenham by Mm. what I read on Twitter anyway the next team is obviously now Tottenham as an Arsenal fan I would personally focus on out I would say outgoing focus on the outgoing well you don't think they're going to add I don't think they'll add it's like I was reading, Danny Rose is not been registered, Paolo Gersoniga, who did phenomenal in my when Maurice got injured last season, and he's not even registered. They've got apparently seven players that Mourinho, including Deli Alley, who doesn't see a future in. I don't understand that with Deli Alley. And again, I don't understand that about Danny Rose either. I mean, Danny Rose has been a really good professional uh, where he's played. So, I mean, they do have a couple of left-backs who... Maybe in front of him, but I'm not sure why you wouldn't register him. But I'm not sure with Spurs. They always seem, again, I mean, we talked about reliance on players and Southampton. We were just talking about reliance on Danny mm. Ings. There's, they spread things out a little bit more, don't they, in Tottenham? I mean, Song Hyung Min has been phenomenal, scored goals. Harry Kane scored goals, and those two seem to be linking up incredibly well this year which is great for me because going back to fancy football I do have both of them in my team so maybe there's an over-reliance on me uh, and Tottenham scoring goals again I mean we spoke about Messi and and I'd love to see Gareth Bale get up to some sort of form that so flashes of of what he was like at Spurs previously Um, so yeah maybe maybe you're right maybe more outgoings than incomings I mean they've got Lucas Moura and Stephen Bergwin as well, who they, they threatened so much when they first joined, who seemed to have dipped off a little bit. Next up is West Brom, the centre-half, maybe. They need people to stop goals and they need people to score goals. They have got a very good goalkeeper, though, Sam Johnston. I think he's kind of underrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will agree with you on that. I mean, he's going to get plenty of action, isn't he? I mean, I mean being a Wolves fan, I don't really spend too much time concentrating on, on West Brom I'm actually glad they're in the Premier League which I'm, I'm not sure how many Wolves fans would be like because um, it's a good advert for Midlands Black Country football uh, having derbies in there Wolves West Brom always a great game to get to always a really good atmosphere so I'm actually glad they're in the Premier League I hope they survive just by the skin of their teeth So do you think they will or is that just your hopes? No, I think they're going to get relegated. They'll most probably finish bottom of the league. Um, well, actually, with Sheffield United playing as badly as they are, maybe second from bottom, I think Sheffield United and West Brom are odds on. You know, If I was a bookie, I'd stop. Maybe not yet, but pretty soon I'd stop taking bets on those guys getting relegated. So would the third team be Fulham in that one? Yes, most probably. It's boring though, isn't it? I mean, you, you wouldn't... You wouldn't uh, you want title races and you want relegation, relegation races to go on for as long as possible and go down to the last game of the season you, in the last minute. You want a Man City QPR type yes. game you, to win the league and you want uh, West Brom staying up however long ago that was last game of the season. They're the kind of things that you that you want drama out of the season but I don't know, I can't really see it happening too much this year. Mm. Two, two more clubs and they are, in my opinion... Mid-table teams, West Ham United. They've just got rid of Sebastian Hilaire in a shock deal for half the price they bought him for. A lot of mid-table teams. Uh, you know, Antonio has been you know, from Forest by that a couple of seasons ago by him. I don't think anyone expected him to be a focal centre-forward and score goals and becoming a West Ham fan favourite, you know, from right back to right midfield or the other way around and now into centre-forward. But... 
uh, yeah, scores goals. He needs support and help up there. I'm not sure how uh, Gerald Bone has been getting on. Yeah, he's not a uh, little player. He reminds me a bit of a Joe Cole, like a young um, Joe Cole, possibly. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, Thomas Sushek. He was. Uh, seems to, yeah, seems to be playing well at the moment. I mean, I'd, West Ham are always one of these teams that they promise at the beginning of the season and then their fans always seem to be a little bit annoyed if not totally pissed off by the end of the season because they're not performing a bit like Newcastle not performing to the expectations that the fans have but to me West Ham are a lower mid-table club yeah there's actually loads of West Ham fans Spencer Seb uh, Jack Jack mate as well he talked about West Ham a lot Um, yeah it seems to be far too many uh, social media, YouTube, West Ham fans, I think. Yeah, finally, the final club. So the best to last, I guess, in your opinion, Wolverhampton Wanderers. I feel like you need a striker after him and his unfortunate injury. Hopefully he gets well soon. Yeah, I, uh, he, he was injured and then there was obviously a lot in the press, uh, a lot reported on about his injury. Now it seems to have gone a little bit quiet. So I don't know how bad his injury actually is. It's well, apparently it was a fractured skull, and apparently he's re- he's returning in February for light training. Or a fractured skull. It's not the kind of thing you want to be messing around with. Didn't, um, I mean, uh, is he going to be playing in a in a skull cap type like Petr Cech? Is that going to be needed if he is going to play? Know. It'd be interesting to see what it looked like on an outside player. I've never seen an outfield player wear a strong cap, but. How confident would you be heading the ball after fracturing your score? After that, I just... It's hard to tell, really. It's like Ryan Mason. Yeah, yeah. Like, that he was... unfortunately retired from it at the age of 25. Like... Was, was that a, a fractured score, broken? broken yeah. Head? Yeah, he apparently took a year to fully recover. And that... But do you think that you need a striker? Yeah, there's lots of talk of that around the Wolves... Um, camp who is they're going to be target they're saying that they're not going to buy anyone in January but they might look to take someone on loan uh, there was talk about Origi which um, piped up a few weeks ago and then quietened down again they definitely need someone up there I mean Fabio Silva has been bought but he's really young uh, don't know too much about um, Catroni and how he plays and apart from that really I mean Pedro Neto and Daniel Podence are, have been really good um, yeah. this year uh, Triori not so much but they're not central strikers um, okay. they're providers they'll chip in with goals um, but they'll very much operate in those wider areas I would have thought so yeah someone to take out the mantelpiece of um, Raul Jimenez uh, would really help I think the other potential position which hasn't been spoken about so much is centre midfield really? I mean, at the moment we've got uh, Ruben Neves Moutinho and Dendonka um, there's a few younger players sitting behind him Morgan Gibbs White shows a lot of potential England international and has um, just been recalled loan from Stoke um, and there's a there's a couple of others as well but I'm not sure about the longevity especially with Moutinho definitely someone that they'd look to I think have somebody lined up to um, uh, succeed his his place yeah. in the next season season or two I suppose I mean what's been uh, what's been su- surprising for me is that a lot of the players that they bring in at Wolves uh, they've obviously got connections in Portugal and through various different agents um, but they seem to be able to sell the likes of um, Matt Doherty to Spurs and then not necessarily like I would have thought that would be a massive hole to fill um, and then they've brought in Samedu um, Samedu Samedu Nelson Semedu I can't pronounce players surnames I don't even notice this no uh, that's good so far <laughs> but yeah they bring in I think players who are able to um, uh, uh, fill the gap but then also have a resale value about them as well I mean thinking about um, Jota going to Liverpool um, so it looks like they're going to be a good I don't want to say a selling team but they're going to be a, a 
kind of a, a club to put players on the map for bigger teams. Mm. Now, hopefully that doesn't, that's only a kind of a, a short, shorter term interim um, strategy from people high up in Wolves because there's going to be a time and a place where we're going to be investing money, buying players who obviously got um, got got a decent amount of money in and around the club now to be able to invest in a good playing squad to then start pushing on for Europe and start to look to be a, a, um, uh, a regular European have regular European football at Molyneux so um, I'm hoping for that I mean it's a long way off when I used to go watch Wolves you know, kind of trying to get into the Premier League through the playoffs and being that team always finishing 6th, 7th, 8th in the Championship or League Division was it was then um, so yeah I'm really excited for the future at Wolves uh, really good season last season hopefully this season finish top 10 I think we'll be happy uh, next season kick on do you think Diego Costa has been don't think he fits in at Wolves to be honest why is he not because he's not Portuguese or <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know if he speaks the lingo well he is uh, Spanish isn't he? yeah he's Spanish yeah yeah he's a Brazilian Spanish player isn't he yes yeah can't see it happening to be honest well that's all the clubs that we have and that's where we're going to end the recording I think now thanks for listening everyone hope you enjoyed it thanks Andy for coming on nice one enjoyed that uh, having a chat through the Premier League I need to spend more time watching uh, match of the day uh, and any other football going on so if anyone's been listening and completely disagrees with my opinion on their team that's fine I completely understand that but let me know uh, yeah yeah tweet um, Tony Instagram um, Tony tag me in it we can have a little chat about it I'd really like to hear actually how, how close do you think I was uh, or the conversation that Tony and I have had on your club are we miles off because we don't know it or are we actually pretty close let us know yeah. thanks for listening guys I wash my hands to protect my family I wear a face covering to protect my mates I make space to protect my nan Hands. Face. Space. I wash my hands to protect my colleagues. I wear a face covering to protect strangers. I make space to protect you. Hands. Face. Space. As we spend more time indoors, we need to do whatever we can to help protect each other. So please, wash hands, cover face, make space.